Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. In the ever-evolving field of dentistry, the role of the oral health therapist has morphed and changed. Different age ranges, different types of treatment, and all varied across different states. This gets pretty confusing. With me here today is the Vice President of ADOTA, lecturer at UCID, and fellow Colgate advocate for oral health, William Carlson Jones, or we better know him as CJ. I thought CJ would be a great guest to talk about things all OHT. We look at topics such as the role of oral health promotion, trying to reduce disparities in oral health, and what are the other opportunities that being in the dental health space offers? Stay tuned. I would probably describe the profession of oral health therapy is a very young profession. So I guess if we look at the history of the profession and how it sort of evolved, we've evolved from what was two professions in the past, dental therapy and dental hygiene, and that has slowly sort of amalgamated into this dual qualified or what's referred to a dual qualified practitioner, which is now sort of, I think we like to view it in its own sort of discipline of oral health therapy. And yeah, a lot of oral health programs um, have really only been around for about 20 years. So as a result, the profession in itself is quite young. And I think it's an exciting profession. I think it's an emerging profession. And, you know, it's it, it's great to sort of see where, you know, OHTs are sort of working and where they're ending up in not just clinical environments, but, you know, other environments beyond. And so I guess when we're talking about the, the scope of an OHT, from what I understand, it's quite different between things like states like South Australia, New South Wales. Do you mind exploring that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. The scope of an oral health therapist really varies depending on where you did your training, when you did your training, and I guess, you know, not not necessarily location, so university, but also state as well. So there's, there's a lot of variation amongst an oral health therapist's clinical scope of practice. But I guess the, the common practices are that oral health therapists would be able to do simple restorative treatments. Now, most oral health therapists graduate with simple restorative care on patients of all ages. It used to be in a lot of states from zero to 18. I know in Victoria, it was up to 25 years of age at some point. In Queensland, they could only treat from four to 18. So uh, patients uh, below the age of four weren't able to do sort of examinations or restorative care. But that sort of scope has evolved over time. So you can now provide comprehensive examinations and, and, and treatment plans and simple restorative care. And I guess within that simple restorative care as well, that can vary depending on what university you've attended and when you did your training. You know, there's there's some oral health therapists that might be able to do cusp caps, cusp replacements and, and placement of pins in both anterior and posterior teeth. And, you know, we also have oral health therapists that might do uh, SVEP pulpotomies as well on a, on a permanent tooth after a trauma with a pulp exposure there. So it's it's sort of vast amongst there. I think when we're talking about prevention, I think that's consistent across the board and I think that's consistent across all practitioner divisions. But, you know, I, I think we like to think that the oral health therapist is, you know, the, the primary preventive practitioner and, and you know, prevention's our, our specialty, so to speak, and, and also in periodontal maintenance, so sort of deep uh, subgingival debridements, super and subgingival debridements there. But, yeah, it can really vary 
we, I mean, if we even look at the separate professions beforehand, dental therapists and, and dental hygienists, there are even some dental therapists back in the day trained in New South Wales that could extract permanent teeth. So really the, the professions evolved over time. The best person, I guess, really to ask what the scope of an oral health therapist is, is an oral health therapist. They themselves are going to be the ones that, that will know their, their, um, their own clinical scope of practice. As a new grad, I had to register with an indemnity insurer in order to practice, and having loads of options didn't make that any easier. When I came across Dental Protection Limited, they made it easy for me to sign up with them with their streamlined registration process and they also had heaps of added bonuses for signing up, like webinar events, workshops and various online learning. Dentistry is hard, and the stress of patient complaints can add to the everyday stress. Knowing I have DPL behind me every step of the way makes me feel confident stepping into work. If you want to feel like someone has your back going into work, you should give DPL a chance and discover what they can do for you. You mentioned before about upskilling. Can you elaborate on how somebody might go through upskilling or what kinds of things, I guess you mentioned speculpotomies. Yeah. So, I mean, look, the, the most common thing that some oral health therapists may be looking to expand on their uh, scope of practice is sort of going into the adult restorative domain, I guess. And, you know, there's some practitioners that might still graduate from universities with a uh, age-based um, restriction on their restorative scope of practice. So they might only be able to do restorative care up to the age of 18. But now all dental practitioners uh, fall under the same rules for uh, extending their scope of practice. So I think it was... Don't quote me on this, but I think it might have been in 2020, the Dental Board of Australia removed the need for accredited programs for extension of scope of practice. So like dentists, oral health therapists are in the same category where you can extend your own individual scope of practice to that of the professional scope of practice within your registration division through uh, continuing professional development. But in saying that, you know, you can't go and do CPD to then, you know, change registration divisions you can't you know go from an oral health therapist to a dentist just through cpd it's it's within your own professional scope of practice of, of that you're registered in with with ARPRA. so yeah a common one is the you know adult restorative care so you, you've seen a few universities have uh, graduate certificates um in uh, sort of adult restorative care and then um some uh, institutions might offer a cpd base so it's really important that the practitioner sort of evaluates and 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 sort of does that reflection of knowing their own scope and there's um, tools online with the dental board website on you know know your scope and and that sort of reflection of evaluating you know have I received enough training from this program and am I sort of skilled and competent in these new procedures I bring things back to I guess working with kids how how would you give any advice for that kind of age demographic and what I mean that's such a big question isn't it but uh any advice, I guess, on that regard? Yeah, look, I mean, kids can be challenging and I think that's, you know, why a lot of oral health therapists, you know, might be more geared towards seeing kids and, you know, they can be time-consuming um, and, you know, in busy practices. If you're sort of short on time, you, you've got to allow the, the time and patience when working with kids because, you know, for a lot of them it's, you know, very intimidating experience, it's a new experience and it's really important to set good habits and you know you might be the first practitioner that they see when you walk in the in the door so I guess 
really the key things with working with kids that I'd, I'd sort of consider would be, you know, really have a great deal of patience, really try and utilise a lot of tell, show, do techniques. So tell the kids what you're going to do, show them what you're going to do, and then, you know, do what you were telling them you were going to do. And you can make it sort of fun, try and sort of view it from the lens of a child as well. And, you know, it's a fun way to sort of relive your, your childhood. You can sort of play around and say, oh, look, this is my tooth shower and, you know, I'm going to use the light and this and that. The other, you can use sort of kid-friendly terms for a lot of the equipment that you use. And, you know, if, if you're lucky to work with, um, you know, a really sort of experienced dental assistant as well, they've got plenty of tricks up the trade as well um, of, you know, making little butterflies out of gauze or, you know, out of um, cotton rolls as well. So I think really taking the time to be patient with these kids and, you know, explaining procedures in those really kid-friendly terms, I think could be the best advice. Yeah, excellent. And let's bring up uh, health promotion now and just, yeah, oral health advocacy in general. This is a bit of our specialty in a way, but I guess what things can, you know, students and graduates do to really increase the amount of oral health promotion out there in the community? Well, I think as part of our role with, with Colgate, there's a lot of resources that graduates and, and, and students can reach out to on the Colgate professional website. There's some fantastic, I think we both got sent a couple of years ago, some of the new um, Bright Smiles, Bright Futures kits. And, you know, they've got some great resources in there, some stickers, some colouring in. The molar um, system. Yeah, the molar system. And that's really fun. Like, I, I think that's brilliant. The, the YouTube video is pretty cool as well. You know, I started watching it and I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to, you know, waste 10 minutes. That was great. I sort of watched it from start to finish. You know, so I think there's a lot of great resources out there, you know, not just Colgate, but a lot of other brands and a lot of sort of free resources available online. You can go through your professional associations. I know, you know, the ADA, DHAA, Adota, a lot of those professional associations also have free oral health promotional resources and they may have some systems in place, I guess, that, that might be able to support you in, in, in running some oral health promotions. The ADA as well do the um, Dental Health Week campaign and a lot of practices get on board with that. Um, and then there's also the Alliance for a Cavity-Free Future and they run some competitions there to help advocate for oral health promotion. I guess apart from that, as graduates and, and individual practitioners, you can do your own project in your community you can go out and you know do a, a school visit take you know take some toothbrushes from the clinic you might be able to get some toothbrushes from some product providers and you can take them out you can do some fun activities you can get some pictures of teeth and laminate them and and with some whiteboard marker you know draw some bugs on the teeth and the kids can sort of brush them off and then that you know gets them sort of all excited in you know and, and, and encouraging that conversation around um you know dental care and, and and good oral hygiene you can have the sugar activities you can have you know the bottles full of sugar and you can sort of say oh look this is how much sugar is in this food and this is how much sugar is in this food and you know you, you always it's see how yellow experiment yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah. always see how mm. wide their you know their eyes get and they go oh my goodness me i think the, the biggest ones is always sort of you know chocolate milk they often think oh milk's you know it's got to be healthy isn't it it's but good you for know. your bones yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and just finally, I guess, and we, you're now the vice president of the ADOHTA, and it's a newly founded association. Did you want to explore that at all? So the association um, I'm a part of is ADOTA, so the Australian Dental and Oral Health Therapists Association. And 
the association has been around for uh, quite a long time. It started off as the Dental Therapists Association of Australia and, and over time, as, as we've noticed, the profession sort of evolving, the, um, the association sort of adapted and, and, and rebranded to sort of incorporate oral health therapists as they've graduated. So, yeah, I serve as the vice president at the moment on the national board or board of directors and there's been a profession uh, professional association for um dental therapists and there's always been a professional association for hygienists as well so we do have two professional associations as oral health therapists we do have the uh, dental hygienists association of australia which we can be a member of and and also the australian dental and oral health therapists association you know we do work quite collaboratively together because we do represent you know the common goal of, of prevention in our in our community and and of the you know the collaborative oral health professionals or oral health practitioners, uh, which includes the the three different registration uh, divisions there of hygienists, therapists, and oral health therapists. And you know while people's scope of practice may may differ, we're all sort of working very similar, and we we all you know are working towards the same goal there. So I guess you know I've I've, I've been fortunate to be with. A DOTA as a professional association since a student, and I know I'd really encourage all students and and graduates to really get involved with their professional association. You know, it's a great experience. It's a lot of these positions are voluntary. I've been a volunteer for. I'm trying to think now. I think it's probably been eight years earlier, eight years um, with the association. So, and it, it, it's been fantastic. It's been a great opportunity to sort of network and meet a lot of others in the profession and. And to have that understanding of the history of the profession as well, which I think is a really important thing within the oral health profession to sort of see where the, the profession started and, and how it's evolved over time. And, you know, you meet a lot of very amazing, inspirational people that have sort of worked hard to sort of improve the standards, you know, to to, to establish the oral health programs around Australia, to establish the oral health therapy profession, and also as well, I guess, to improve well, I guess expand the scope of practice and then improve the access to care as well. You know, some of the recent accomplishments have been, you know, accessing Medicare provider numbers as well. And that's been a huge achievement for our profession in increasing that access to care and that transparency in billing arrangements. How do you think that access to care is going? Do you see do you see that it's getting better or is there still I mean, there obviously would be work to be done, I suppose. Yeah, I guess with access to care Look, there's still lots of data to come from, you know, that that particular recent decision. But I think regardless, access to care is always a challenge in sort of regional remote areas where the, the saturation of practitioner is, is, is low. And, you know, we often, I mean, we all know in metropolitan areas there's a higher saturation of dental practitioners, you know, a lot more people will work in metropolitan areas. The population is higher in metropolitan areas, but per, you know, 100,000 people, you know, there's, there's lower numbers of dentists, therapists, and oral therapists um, and hygienists in these areas, in, in rural areas. So I think for, for a lot of patients and well, uh, people that live in um, rural and remote areas, that, that plain and simple access, just finding someone or, or being able to attend to practices is few and far between. A lot of patients... Having worked rurally myself for a few years, we had patients driving, you know, a few hundred kilometres or a couple of hours to to come to the practice, and it was would be the, the closest for them, you know, in that one particular direction. If they were going another direction, they might have been moving to a different state. 
So I think not only that, but, you know, cost, that's a big thing. I think we're all experiencing the, you know, the struggles of the rising cost of inflation. The Medicare scheme's brilliant for kids, eligible kids under the, under the um, eligibility scheme there. And, you know, we're able to provide some care to adult patients that might be on a healthcare card or concession card, depending on different state-based funding systems. But I think there's still a lot of work for our more vulnerable populations. So uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, uh, uh, aged care population, and I guess, yeah, the, the low income families as well. So a lot of work for the big decision makers at the top, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think I'd like to think access to care has improved. But yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see it in the numbers over time. Do you want to add orthodontics to your general practice? So many patients today are looking for aesthetic outcomes and and changes, things that we can do with things like aligners and fixed braces that can put the teeth where they need to be so we can be more minimal in what we do to those teeth. I know it's something I wanted to learn and personally, I've gone down the path with OrthoEd doing the mini masters. I'm also getting treatment myself. I'm in aligners right now. If you're ready to go all in with orthodontics, you can go and do the mini masters with OrthoEd and Dr. Jeff Hall and at the end, you can get a postgraduate diploma. But if you're starting off with smaller steps, they even have some online education, including aligners and aligner courses that are standalone. In the COVID environment we're currently in, these courses have remained live and we can then go and do them in person later on. I really appreciate the way they've managed that and I'm still getting tons of value. OrthoEd gives you an understanding from the foundational level. You understand aligners as well as fixed braces, the mechanics and all the things in between. If you're about to start your orthodontic journey, check out dentalheadstart.com slash orthoed to get 10% off their entire range. You might even run into me at one of the courses. And uh, finally, to end this episode off, how would you, you know, we our theme is what I wish I knew. Is there anything going through uni that you wish you knew about graduating and going off to work? It wasn't, I guess, what I wish I knew or what I didn't think was so apparent in my mind as a student and then perhaps as a new graduate is is knowing that, you know, regardless of what you, what degree you study in, you know, in dentistry, whether you do a Bachelor of Oral Health, whether you do a Bachelor of Dental Surgery or a Doctor of Dental Medicine, you know, there are so many other opportunities out there. You're not just restricted to, you know, clinical dentistry from a chair. You know, there are so many different career pathways and, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I'm fortunate now being on the other side, you know, teaching into universities that, you know, I want to make aware to the students that, you know, there are so many different other pathways, you know, you can go into practice ownership, you can go into health promotion, you can go into advocacy, professional indemnity. There's so many different pathways, even within dentistry that, you know, are not just clinical focused. And I think, you know, it's really important that our universities prepare graduates to be, you know, incredible clinicians. But I think we also need to be aware that there are you know, other pathways out there. And we do need to prepare the workforce um, or a diversified workforce to fit these, you know, these jobs in the future because we, you know, whilst we need more, you know, dental practitioners in Australia, we also need a lot of those other people with that dental expertise to then go and, you know, and and, uh, work in those jobs. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. 
So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.